Wow, that was incredible, huh? Oh my gosh, that was so powerful. Well, good morning. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Paul. I'm the associate pastor here at the church. Certainly a special welcome again to all our live streamers and those on uh, YouTube and Facebook, which we found out we were traveling last week and live streaming was a little difficult. And my wife goes, we can go to YouTube and watch it. Just, uh, so, and it came in perfect. So just wanted to throw you guys up on that. It did not Dave Seifer do an awesome job last week, everybody. It was just incredible. It was just incredible. You know, it's hard to believe my wife and I, for the last 10 days, have been up in Washington visiting some of our CRD family. And uh, on Thursday, uh, we're on the Columbia River, sitting on the front of a boat. About 6 o'clock at night, we have a blanket wrapped around us because it was cold. And then Friday, I get off the plane here in Palm Springs, and it was like, oh, my gosh. So, and anyways, our CRD family misses being down here, but uh, it was great hanging with some of them, and I want to thank them so much for their hospitality that they showed to both myself and Mary. You know, I, I want to begin today, uh, listen, after spending some time away and, 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 and hanging with, and be able to relax and just hanging around some folks, can I tell you, and I, and I, and I think these songs this morning really bring it really clear, God wants to move big time in all of your lives, every single one of you. And can I tell you how this happens? It happens through fellowship. It happens through prayer. It's doing life together. It's meeting the needs of other people, developing or deepening relationships with people, just like we just spent this time up, up north. You know, all through this message, I, I usually have one or two of these, and it's called a Don't Miss This. And that's in case you fall asleep or something during my message that you'll hang on to this. Well, I got like six of them. And I usually only have two, but, you know, this message this morning, what God has put on my heart, I am hoping is going to bless you in a very big way. But here's my first, don't miss this. It's through our relationship with others that we work out our questions about who God is. Now, what I mean by that is it's through relationships that we begin to discover, we start to discover what our purpose, our true purpose in life is. And, and I want to tell you something as your friend, I want to tell you something as your pastor. Look at I've been through a wonderful theological university called Biola. All right, and I, and I got a great education there. But I have learned so much more about who God is through fellowship, spending time and investing time in the lives of other people. Can I tell you, it's the best school that there is. It's the best Bible study that there is. And maybe you're saying to yourself, boy, I sure like to have a relationship with God. Or maybe you're sitting here today and go, I certainly like to deepen that, that relationship with him. I'd like to be able to believe with my whole heart. Do you ever feel like with my whole heart that he loves me? And he's got this wonderful purpose and direction for my life, no matter what stage, no matter what chapter of life that, that you're in right now. Well, we can all come to this place, all of us. But it's something that's developed just like an earthly relationship, all right? You need to get to know the person, right? You get to know the person by spending time with that person, by going through crisis together, right? By going through good times together. You need to know, am I right, about developing relationships, close friends, you need to know that that person that you're putting your faith into is going to be there for you through the difficult times of life. And that only happens, it only happens by doing life together. And can I tell you, it's no different than with the God of the universe. It's no different with him. You get to know who God is. You begin to trust him. 
by doing life together with others. You see, the reason is that you can see God at work. You see life's changed by his power. Here's a perfect example. You know, I attend a men's group on Thursday mornings. I think I've been doing it now for six years. And can I tell you, uh, Jeff generally teaches this Thursday morning group. And granted, I mean, the teaching's great. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But you know what? Where God really reveals himself, that he's revealed himself to me, is watching the men around me change. They're not the same men anymore. They have just grown and matured in, in their faith. They've overcome obstacles that they had in the past that there's no other explanation for it. You know, it, it wasn't Dr. Phil or Oprah and stuff. They gave him ideas and thoughts on how to go. I mean, this is God working through them. The scripture verse that says that he who begins a good work in you will continue it until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, until the day that God takes you home or God comes back, okay? And it's then that you begin to realize, can I tell you, when I was sitting in that group going, he'll do the same for me and he'll do the same for you. It's here at this point that your purpose in life, it starts to be revealed when you start getting closer and closer to God. It's your it's your wilderness journey. You heard Jeff talk about it all the time. He talks about how we lived in Egypt. He uses the paraphrasing of, you know, our life before Christ, before God. And if you're new to this whole Christian faith thing, just hang on here a little bit. This all makes sense. You know, you live your life here in Egypt. All of a sudden, one day, God starts to reveal himself, and, and you start making this turn, and you go through the Red Sea, as Jeff would call it. You know, you cross over, and you head into the wilderness. And it's in the wilderness of life that God begins to reveal himself to you. It's where you develop your trust in him. You know, are you going to trust me through these trials, through these tribulations? Do you think I'm going to rescue you, or do you think I'm going to let you fall? Okay, it's in this time. It's what I call the 90-degree, 180 turn. A lot of people accept Jesus. You know, they, uh, you know, they uh, say the secret prayer, and they get their uh, get-out-of-hell-free card, you know, and this is as far as they go. But they never do the full 180-degree turn and go, God, I give you my life fully. Whatever you want to use me for, whatever you want to do, it's a dangerous prayer. We're sharing about that this morning here in the group. Use me. Can I tell you, when you make that turn, it changes everything in your life, absolutely everything. Now, what I'm going to say next may sound like Christianity 101. But first and foremost, this is it. You were not put on this planet by accident. God made you, God formed you, and God has a design for you. God has never made anything. Look at the around our world. God is even, even mosquitoes and flies and our pests. He's never made anything that he doesn't have a purpose for. If you have your Bibles, I love you for to turn to Psalms 139. Okay, turn to Psalms 139. And we're going to start in verse 13. And this is a great one for all of you to write on your notes, whatever. This is a great one to hang on to. God's saying, for you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret... And skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Can I tell you, it's the same for you, and it's the same for me. 
I love what Jeremiah says here. He goes, before I, God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Can I tell you, after spending so many years in ministry, most people don't discover what they were ever set apart for. They go through life always wondering, why am I here? What am I here for? Well, this week, we had so much time just to sit back and look at God's nature and pray. I started thinking, to God, why is that? Why is it sometimes so difficult to discover, God, what do you want me to do at this time and at this phase of my life? What, what is it? What is my, have you ever just asked a question, what's my purpose? You know, what is it? And one of the reasons became very clear to me, and it's all around us, and it's life's distractions. There's so many distractions in life that keep us from God's best, keeps us from God's purpose in our life. And what I want to do is, and I gave you some notes, and I hope you grab some, I'm, I'm, I'm just listing what I believe are the four biggest distractions that keep us from discovering what it is that God has for us in this life, what, what he has for you in this chapter of your life. I'm sorry, I've got allergies. You'll see what you do with this. But here's the first distraction. The desire to get rich. If you make that primary goal of your life, can I tell you, I, I, from personal experience, that was our goal early on, uh, you're going to miss God's plan of purpose. Jesus said clearly, no one can serve two masters, for either you hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and wealth. You can't serve God and money. He didn't say you couldn't be rich, right? He doesn't say that, okay? He didn't say you couldn't be wealthy. He doesn't say that, okay? What he's saying, he just says you can't make it the number one goal of your life because if you make it the number one goal of your life, if you make it the most important thing, you're going to miss the whole reason that I formed you in your mother's womb to begin with. If you're walking around and saying to yourself, my number one goal is to make a lot of money and retire, okay? If that's your life goal, can I tell you, you already missed it. You've already missed God's purpose, he didn't put you here just to get wealthy. <laughs> he didn't put you here to retire or just go play golf. All right? He, he didn't. So I just want you to hang. At th Those are distractions of life that pull us away from what God has called us truly to do. And the second biggest distraction that God puts us is not letting go of past mistakes and failures. We beat ourselves up. We all make mistakes. The problem is that so many times we keep rehearsing them over and over and over. Can I tell you, you cannot focus on past mistakes. You can't focus on the guilt and shame and focus on God's plan for your life all at the same time. And Hebrews, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Hebrews 12. We're going to be looking at verses 1 and 2. Listen to what this says. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every, every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, 
I truly believe a God was standing here right now today from what that scripture verse just said, I think he'd say, come on, let it go. Let's move on. All right, my son's already paid the price. Let it go. Move on. I got tremendous plans. I got a tremendous purpose still left in you and for your life right now. Fix your eyes on Jesus, not on the past mistakes or problems or struggles that you're facing right now. Remember, I, one of my favorite stories, you know what, I, I think I might share this every time I get up here to teach. You're in the storms of life, right, friends? And you're looking, going, where the heck do we go? You're, you're getting downpoured on, right? The waves are flowing over. You're in the boat, and the waves are pouring into the boat. You think you're going to sink. Are we going to get through this? You know, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this issue with my, my, with my kids, with my health. With, and you're wondering if you're going to make it. And just like the disciples, when they're in the middle of the storm, all of a sudden they see what they think is a ghost walking on the water. And who is it? It's Jesus walking on water. Peter goes, hey, if that's you, Jesus, tell me to come to you. And, and we all know the story. He says, all right, come on, Peter. Peter gets out of the boat. And what happens? He's walking on water. Now, I can imagine he's walking on water. I'm sure the waves are still going. I don't think it all became real clean and flat for Peter as he's walking. And it's probably raining. And the wind's blowing. And he's walking on the storm, right? And as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, what? He walked on the water. But the moment he looked at the storms, the storm of life, he began to sink. And as he began to sink, what happened? Jesus grabbed him. Before he went under, put him back in the boat. Well, you have little faith. Did you think I was going to let you drown? I added that. Did you think I was going to let you drown? Right? Friends, the moment you take our eyes off of Jesus, the author of our faith, can I tell you, I mean, really, the situations of life come crashing in around us. There's no more hope. And once hope is gone, there's nothing else left to hang on to. Romans 8.1 is one of my favorites. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is such a powerful one. It's short. I encourage you to learn that one. Memorize that one. Stick it on your mirror or on your dashboard of your car. Now, here's the third distraction. Worrying about what other people think about me. It's America's favorite indoor sport. Because you know why? We compare everything. God tells you know what God says? Don't do it. Because you know what? You know, you know why God says don't compare yourself to the other? Because this is what happens. I put down these two notes. First, you find people that you're doing better than. And you get kind of prideful. Your ego feels pretty good, right? But then there's the other part of it. Number two, you find people are doing better than you. <laughs> and sometimes you can get depressed. You can get discouraged, envious, and jealous. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.18, he goes, you know what? This message of the cross, when you first it's just foolishness. To those who are perishing, all right? But to us who are being saved by it, we understand it's the power of God. But for this, this, this is, what do, you, what do you mean don't compare ourselves? What do you mean don't strive for it? What, what are you talking about? What do you mean turn the other cheek when somebody slaps? Well, what are you talking? This is foolishness. Can I tell you, you know what the cross does? The cross levels the playing field on all social status across the planet. Because at the foot of the cross, we're all the same. We're a bunch of sinners that need forgiveness. That's the bottom line, okay? We're all God's creatures. Can I encourage you? Don't compare 
yourself. You are unique. And God has a unique plan just for your life. And I'm going to tell you, true, for all these years of sitting and counseling with people, I can tell you, you're going to miss it if you're looking at everybody else's life and not at yours. Listen, there are a lot of things, even good things, that distract you. I mean, there's things like hobbies and sports, you know, golf, tennis, pickleball, you know. There's nothing wrong with any of them. I don't want anybody to misunderstand me here. But they can distract you from what your true mission and true calling of what life is. Friends, you could go all the Bible studies all the time and still be distracted from God's purpose. Well, you know, I thought most people would say, what are you thinking, Pastor Paul? That can't be true. Get that guy off of there. You're probably thinking, what do you mean I can go to Bible studies and be distracted? Because I'll tell you why. Satan doesn't care that you do good things. He's really happy that you do. You could go to church every day or every week as long as you don't do. Here's this what I want you to misunderstand. Don't do the one thing that God has put you on this earth to do. You hear me? That one thing he wants to stop you from doing. If he can distract you doing other things and running around and doing this, but not the one thing that God's called you to do. Because Satan knows God made you for a reason. And if you pursue it, you're going to cause him a whole lot of problems. One of the biggest prayers I have, and I hope one day to reach it, that when I lay in bed in the morning and, and I roll out of bed and my foot hits the floor, I want Satan to go, oh, no, Paul's up. Wouldn't you, love, wouldn't you love Satan to say that about you every morning? You're rolling about, oh, no, she's up. The world's going to be changing. And here's the fourth and biggest one that keeps you from discovering God's plan for your life. It's your plan, okay? It's your plan. It's my plan. You think if you figure out what you want to do with your life and you do it, you're going to be happy. Eh, wrong. Hit the buzzer. It's not true. You're going to be unsatisfied until you find out what the heck God's got you made you for in the first place and your whole purpose at this stage of your life. You can't make all the plans in the world. They won't, I'm telling you, they won't ultimately satisfy you. I'm going to tell you, I know a lot of people are retired and are playing golf. And get, you know what? They're bored. You'll get bored. You'll get dissatisfied. Can I tell you, you need to focus on him. See, don't miss this. Wake up. When it comes down to life, you've only got two choices. I can choose to do my thing, or I can choose to do what God made me for. We have two choices in life. You can't do them both. God's mission for your life is not something you can add to your list. Okay, what am I going to do? Well, my goal is to make a lot of money. I'm going to retire, and uh, I'm probably going to serve God at the same time. I'm going to put it all in. Eh. God's mission is not something you tack on to the back of your plans. We need to pray like David did. In Psalms 119, he said, Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. In other words, he says, Turn me away from wanting any other plan but yours. Help me, to see, help me from the distractions that are all around me. Help me to focus on what's really important. Have you prayed that prayer? Okay, I'm going to challenge you guys. Have you prayed that prayer? Turn me away from wanting anything else but your plan. I just want yours, God. Friends, listen. Don't miss this. 
the main reason people miss their mission is they're unwilling to give up their own plans. They want their cake and eat it too. They want to serve God and they want to serve themselves all at the same time. You know what that's called? Narcissistic Christianity. Narcissistic Christianity, self-centered Christianity. It's about me first, okay? It's about me. And then after that, I can fit Jesus into the rest of the picture as long as everything else is taking care of me first. Let me, I'm going to ask you two, impor two important, very important questions. Here's number one. How badly do you want to be what God meant you to be? Think about it. You really want it more than anything else. And then number two, what are you willing to give up in order to get it? Because you know what? You have to give up something. You can't do God's mission, God's special work for your life and hold on to everything else that everybody else wants you to do. What does he want you to do right now? In the life of your grandkids, your children, uh, special outreach ministries, your neighbor. I don't know what is. What is he calling you to do right now? So you can't fulfill everyone else's dream and do what else that God wants you to do. You will never experience a blessing in God in a great way until you totally abandon yourself to, what do you want me to do in the 90 to the 180? What do you want me to do? What do you want? Maybe you're asking yourself, why in the world would I do that? Right? Why, why, why would I do that? Why should I ask? Why, 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 why can't it be about me? Why should I choose to abandon all, all these things and choose God's will for my life? It's a good question. I'm going to tell you why. And I'm not saying it's because I'm a preacher guy, okay? We're a pastor up here. Listen, I was 43 years old before I came to know who God was. I want to tell you that I've thrown the bottom of my heart. It's the only really way to live. I'm telling you, it's the only way. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 39, He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Do you think Jesus lies? Once you say, God, your purpose is number one in my life, all of a sudden, the things that you used to think were really important, all this, I'm, I'm telling you, it's the strangest thing. All of a sudden, they're not so important anymore. You know? They become secondary. I think one of the best examples is this is the Apostle Paul. Look at him. This guy was a religious terrorist, right? And all of a sudden, he turns to becoming a follower of Christ. He was a Christ hater. And he becomes a Christ follower. Friends, Paul understood the difference between what really matters and what really doesn't matter at all. He knew the difference between what was important and what the heck was unimportant. He could clearly see, and I don't know about you, thinking about this over life, he could clearly see, I don't want to give my life to something that's just only going to last 20 years or 30 years or 40 years, you know. I want to give my life to something that's going to go on forever, I'm going to give my life to something that's going to go on for eternity. Look what, look what Paul says in Acts, Acts 20, 24. He says, but my life was worth nothing to me unless I get to retire. Oh, no, he didn't say that. That's not what he said. He said, 
he said, wait, my, my life was worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about this wonderful grace of God. Those songs we sang this morning was all about God's grace. Notice what the most important priority is that he was saying. Tell some other people. We are the ones who are supposed to pass it on. Are you ready for this? Somebody told you. You're supposed to tell somebody else. Now, I don't mean you have to sit there and have a theological discussion with them. Okay. You can show Christ through your actions. You can show Christ through the way that you love on your neighbor or visiting the sick in the hospital. There's all kinds of ways that you can show Christ to people. You tell people the good news. People go, why do you go, why do you got a smile on your face all the time? Well, uh, let, me, let me tell you what I found. You see, it's not self-centeredness. It's not narcissistic belief system that we have. A non-sharing Christian is a contradiction. You can't be non-sharing, non-caring Christian. You just can't. A person may call themselves a Christian, but that doesn't make you one. Are you hearing me now? I can stand up here and tell you I'm a doctor. Does that make me one? I could go and walk right into the McDonald's over here and stand in the lobby and go, I'm a chicken McNugget. <laughs> it doesn't make me a chicken McNugget, does it? Listen, God has never made a person that he didn't love. And because God cares, we have to care. Let me say it again. God has never made a person that he doesn't love. And because God cares, we got to care. Okay, we got God's heart. My prayer is the Lord, may my heart beat like yours. You know, may, may my heart get to that point that I just want everything that you want. You need to remember that all those people around you, all your relatives, all your neighbors, your golf buddies, your tennis, all your friends, every one, every one of them, has a hole in their heart. Everyone. And let me tell you something. And inside there, I'm telling you, they may not know what the hole, to fill that hole, but they have a hunger for God. You want to make your life count for something? The best investment of your time and money is getting people into heaven. That's going to make a difference, not for 10 years or 50 years not even a thousand years. It's going to make it a difference for eternity. There's nothing more significant, friends. It's taken me all my life to get to, believe me, there's nothing more significant than making a difference person's life for eternity. If you've helped one person get into heaven, your life has meaning because you made an eternal difference. Nothing else you're going to do in life. I'm telling you, no trophies, no matter. No, no big job that you, know, you got with some corporation. No big investment will ever equal getting one person into eternity. When it comes to your money, you can't take it with you. Are you ready for this? You can send it ahead. What? <laughs> what do you mean we can send it ahead? <laughs> yeah, you can send it ahead. You know how you do it? You invest in people. You invest in people. By saying, you know, I'm going to invest my time, my money, and my energy and help people get into heaven. Look at 
whether it's investing in our new church that we're going to be getting here and the property, you know, so we have a church building and a property where people can come and, and hear about this Jesus Christ where kids have, and your grandkids can come and learn about the love of Christ. It's investing money, time, and energy into Coachella Valley Rescue Mission or Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Young Life, Mama Cells, Reverence Pregnancy Center. It goes on and on and on. It's what are we investing in that will pay dividends way farther into the future? Okay, what well, goes way beyond this, way beyond this world, way beyond this place and time. Can you imagine getting into heaven and you're walking down the golden street? And all of a sudden, you hear somebody yelling behind you, hey, hey, wait up, wait, 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 what, 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 what? I know you don't know me, but I'm here because of you. What? You know, when you serve down at blah, 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 you might not have recognized me, but I was in the back row, and you, and, and you just shared about this love of Jesus Christ, and that day, it changed my life forever. Are you doing that? Is there going to be any treasure in heaven for you? See, don't miss this. Our problem is, I really believe this, we just forgot how good we got it. Followers of Jesus Christ. Look at just this past 10 days, spending time with some friends of this family and hearing their stories and hearing how God came in and rescued them and how they put their faith and strength in most difficult and horrific times in their lives. It's, it's, it's powerful. And, 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 and then the forgiveness of all the awful things we've done in our life, awful things we've done in the past and probably will do in the future. We forgot, man, how good it is. We forget. what Do, do we forget how good it feels to be forgiven? Do you remember how, you, how lousy you felt when we were unbelievers? Think back. It's easy for me. It's only been 20 years. Remember when you didn't have Jesus in your life and you were constantly plagued by things like bitterness, anger, depression, loneliness, worry, stress, and you were like totally trying to do it on your own strength? Remember? And you really didn't have anybody that maybe you could really count on to be there to help you. Can I tell you, we were never meant to live that way. We forget what a good deal we got in on when we were forgiven and given a purpose for our life and a place in heaven. That's one of the reasons. I, I, that's why I love watching baptisms. I cry every time. I cry every time. I'm glad I'm in the water doing it. I just splash water on my face. I just think my face is wet. But I'm telling you, it's because it touches my heart because it reminds me of the wonderful changes God does in a person's life that no one else could possibly do. It reminds me of his power that he has. I'd I hope I'm not the only one. I love to see changed lives. Lives being put back together. Marriages going back together. Kids come, them coming back together brokenness, things just coming back together. When I think about what God has done in my life, it fills me with gratitude and just motivates me. I just, I got to tell other people. If you forget anything else I say today, don't miss this one. Nothing changes lives like Jesus Christ. Absolutely nothing. Nothing is more important than eternal destiny of the people you love 
and the people that you know and the people you work with and the people you still you, you, you don't know yet but will know. I love what Jesus says in uh, Matthew 6. He says, look it. Do not worry then, saying, what the heck am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What will I wear for clothing? He goes, look at the Gentiles eagerly seek all those things. Your heavenly Father knows you need all these. This is important for us to remember. God knows what you need. But what what does he say next? Seek what? First the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And and then what, what happens? Everything else is, you guys are listening, right? It's added, you can talk, it's okay. It's added on to you. It's powerful, right? He says, stop it. I know. God goes, I know, I told you you're going to have trouble in this world. Jesus told us that. But he goes, look, keep seeking the kingdom. Keep sharing the good news. I know you need them, but I got to get you there in order to get you here. Keep moving, keep walking. Friends, there's a lot of people in need. There are physical needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs, relationship needs. Don't focus on yours. Don't be a narcissistic Christian. Can I encourage you? Focus on God's purpose and plan and mission for your life. God says if you put that as your primary concern, I'm telling you, God goes, I'm going to take care of you. Stop worrying. It's his promise. God doesn't lie. Look, you heard me say it over and over. A promise is only as good as the person that gives it to you. How many of you have ever broken a promise? Oh, you're a bunch of liars. You're not even raising your hand. Thank you. There's one. Okay, you might be a raise on this one. Who's broken a promise to you? J- Jesus Christ does not break his promises. These are promises that are in this Bible. There, there are, these are promises that are in here. Did you know there's over 7,000 promises in here? Do you think you could find one for yourself? Do you think? You can do one or two things. Either you can work on meeting your needs or you can let God meet your needs. Who do you think is going to do a better job? So let me just leave you with these last couple of thoughts. Here's your first one. You don't have to be a superstar for God to bless your life. You don't have to be a superstar for God to use you. God uses very ordinary people to do extraordinary things. All he asks you to do is is just share when that opportunity comes to the person that I put in front of you. That's all he asks. He doesn't ask anything more. And second, you're going to be in heaven because somebody cared enough to tell you about Jesus Christ. Remember that you're going to be in heaven because somebody cared enough to tell you about Jesus Christ Have you cared enough to tell somebody else? Is anybody going to be in heaven because of you or because of me? Will anybody run up that street and go, thank you, thank you. That you didn't give up on me. Thank you that you reached out when you didn't want to reach out. Thank you you gave up your vacation so you could fund this mission over here. That's how I learned about Jesus Christ. Thank you that you gave up your afternoon of golf and came and visited me when my wife was so sick. Can I tell you, you're the only Christian some people will ever know. That should scare you, <laughs> okay? You're the only Christian some people will ever know. 
look at there's no coincidence in life. Do you know in the Hebrew uh, in the Hebrew dictionary there's no word for coincidence? They don't believe in it because there isn't such a thing. God has intentionally put the people around you that He wants you to share His love with. So let me just close up with this and share. I, I encourage you share the good news. We have so much to be thankful for. We have so much for Jesus for how much he has given us. I think, again, we forget just what a good deal we got in on. I have a final video clip. I just want you to sit there. We have, and let it just wash over you. We have so much to be thankful for. To Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, we forget what he's done for each and every one of us in our life. Let's just watch this clip.